and really kind of bring a reminder to parents in, in raising their children. A reminder to parents in raising their children. Now, every, uh, how many of you in here are uh, a mom and dad? You've got kids. Even if they're grown, you've got kids, all right? Now, moms and dads, uh, do, you, do you remember this time uh, when your child was a baby, a newborn? You guys remember that, that time, right? How, do you, how many of you uh, would be willing to say that my child was cute and innocent and sweet, right? Yeah? All right, some of you are like, my kid was not cute, <laughs> Now, right, so babies are cute and they're innocent and sweet, but, and there's a caveat here, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived by the precious, cute little face, okay? Children are sinful, amen, amen. Children are sinful and no child, mom and dad, no child is perfect, okay, no child, amen. Can I get an amen to that? No child is perfect. But the Bible, the Bible tells us that every child has foolishness bound up within them. Every child will have a proclivity in them towards sinfulness. Every child, as they grow and develop, will take note also of how things operate in the home into which they are born. Someone told me years ago uh, when our oldest, who will be 14 in just a few weeks, someone told us when he was a newborn that more will be caught than it will be taught in your home. Your children will see the things that you do and learn from those things more than the things that you tell them to do. More will be caught than taught which really kind of undergirds the phrase, actions speak louder than words. Hypocrisy in homes by parents will be detected and inconsistencies will be noted by our children. Children will learn more about God and will form opinions about life from their mom and dad than they will from anywhere else outside of the home. The older that your children will get, the harder it will become to teach and train them. Just ask any teenager. They pretty much have all of life figured out. <laughs> they do. And God knows that we need godly parents who will teach and instruct and admonish and correct their kids. Amen? God knows that we need faithful moms and dads who will lead their children to do what is right. The Lord knows that we are capable of fulfilling the responsibility. And so the question this morning, whether your children are adults or they're newborns, is are we going to be obedient to leading our kids? Are we going to be obedient? Genesis 18 says this, for I have chosen him, it will come to the screen for you, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had promised him. Now listen, Abraham and Sarah were not perfect parents at all. If you know their story in Genesis. They had a fair share of problems in their life, but God knew that Abraham was going to do what was right. 
He knew that Abraham's character was such that he would take responsibility and lead his home. So what's so encouraging um, What's so encouraging about the story of Abraham and Sarah is the fact that in their sin and in their imperfection, we still see a picture of a perfect heavenly father. A perfect heavenly dad who has given us all that we need to help us teach and train our children. And so parents that are sitting in here right now, grandparents, we have the responsibility of training and leading our children. And as a reminder to each one of us here, specifically those who are dedicating their little ones, the first note I would like you to make this morning is that children are a gift from God. As painful as they can be, as stubborn as they can be, children are a gift from God. They're a gift. We, we like to say here at the well that they are the little blessings They're the little blessings. The word of God tells us in Psalm chapter 127, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb. And because of that, it is a reward for you to have your kids. Children have been given to to us by God and they are to be looked upon as precious and priceless gifts in this life. Now I realize that there, there may be some sitting here today who have never had children or perhaps you could not have children or maybe you wanted more kids and that's not what God's plan was for you. Now please know this morning that children are a gift from God and think about that for just a moment, will you please? When you look at your own children, when you look at your nieces and your nephews, your grandkids, do you think... That is a gift of God. That is a gift of God. As adults, whether we have a house full of children like my family and I, or you have none, children can prove not only to be a pain, but they can prove to be a wonderful gift. A child has a very unique and special way of making lives memorable as you raise them in your homes. And as we think about that thought for just a moment, there's something that I would like to address with with all the parents in here. There are three things that your children need from you. From the time that they are born until the time that you are no longer on this earth, there are three things that your kids need. The first is attention. Your kids need your attention. They need to know that, that you are willing to listen to them. To listen to them. They, they may be little now or, or adult now, but I'm telling you, give them all the attention that you can possibly squeeze into them before you are no longer here on this earth. Make time for your kids, even when you don't agree with all of their choices. Make time for your kids. Prioritize them, because the time that you have will quickly pass and you will never get it back. The second thing that they need aside from attention, is affection. Your children need affection. They need to know that they are loved. So hug and kiss your children. Tell them that you love them. Because the older they get, the more challenging it will become for you to kiss and hug them, especially when they're teenagers. And the third thing they need is affirmation. Please reassure your children that you love them and provide 
and provide security and protection. And parents, do not provoke your children and constantly encourage them. All the while recognizing that ultimately children belong to the Lord. They were a gift given to you to steward well while you're here upon this earth. And as parents and adults, we would do well to keep that thought in the forefront of our mind. And because of that fact, the second note I would like you to make this morning is that children must be guided by the word of God. And all God's people said? I was getting scared for a moment. I said that and nobody made a peep. You know, this is what God knew about Abraham and what he would do for his kids. Perhaps the greatest need in the life of your child or your children is to be taught and trained in the word of God. The greatest need. It's not to play sports and to be good. It's not to know what to do for their job. The greatest need that your child has is to be raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Because it will be their foundation for the entire future of their life. It is the parent's responsibility to fulfill that role in your children's lives. It's not the church, parents. It is not the church's role to parent your kids. It's not the school's role to parent your kids. It's not the daycare or the babysitter. It's not even really the grandparents' role to parent your kids. Mom, dad, it is your responsibility to raise your children in the Lord. The church and hopefully the school and the grandparents, those are all extensions of what should be taking place inside the home. And so mom and dad, it's up to you. It's up to you to set the example. And here at the well, we want to equip parents to become the spiritual leaders of their children at home. And that way, when they come here, we're an extension of what's going on already outside of these four walls. My wife is downstairs with those little blessings right now. And my wife has a huge heart for children and parents. She is a mother through and through and through. But my wife gets your kid for an hour to an hour and a half each week. You get them for 20 plus hours a day unless they're in school. And even then you get them for 18. And so parent, it's your responsibility to lead your children. And so moms and dads here today, even if you're not dedicating your child, you are still commanded in scripture to steward your family well. And when we don't follow that through, ungodliness and unrighteousness will wreak havoc in your lives. How many of you are fans of reading the Old Testament? All three of you. No. <laughs> There's a perfect example of what I'm trying to explain to you in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. There's a man by the name of Eli, and he is one of the head priests. How many of you know who Eli is in the Old Testament? Well, Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. These two boys were raised day in and day out in the temple. But 1 Samuel chapter 2, 12 tells us that Eli's sons knew not the Lord. They didn't know the Lord, and yet they were raised in the temple and around spiritual things, and they had no personal relationship with God. 
If you continue reading on in 1 Samuel, you will come to realize that Hophni and Phinehas began to break command after command after command of God in, in their time. They slept with the servants of the temple. They ate any meat that came across their plates time and time again. And it comes to a point where God is like, I'm not going to allow the wickedness anymore. And both of those boys died in the same day. Both of them in the same day. After they took the Ark of the Covenant and they brought it out to the middle of the battlefield. Both of those boys were killed. And when their father received word that the boys died, he fell backwards in his chair, broke his neck, and he died. And one day, an entire family was wiped out because of wickedness. Parents, I beg of you, I beg of you, do not make the mistake of thinking that just because your kids are around church, just because they're around kids' ministry or youth ministry, that they're going to just turn out perfectly fine. Parents, you must be proactive in the life of your child. You, you've been given a responsibility to have the major source of influence over the life of the children. It's not somebody else. And your influence is pivotal. You and I must foster in our children a desire for the things of God. You know, there's this idea in Scripture, if you study the history of what goes on specifically in the Old Testament, there's this idea about parenting that is taught that comes from a custom in the Bible times. That after a child was born, the, the midwife would dip her finger into a sweet syrup and she would rub it on the roof of the newborn's mouth to get the baby to start suckling. And then she would pass it off to the mom so that the mom would nurse. And as that child grew, that custom continued on. And that every time they came to the synagogue, the child would be asked to dip their finger in a pot of honey as they were coming in. And as they were leaving and they would suck on that finger. And it was to give them the idea that everything about the Lord was sweet. Learning about God was sweet. Being in God's house is sweet. Leaving God's house and putting, putting our lives to work in what, whatever, whatever was shown to us, it was sweet. And for us here today, parents, you should encourage your children week in and week out to go to church and to learn about God. Week in and week out. Make church life an enjoyable experience for your kids. So that way, when they turn 18, they don't fall into the category of those who attended church. The 80% of those who turn 18 and leave mom and dad's home that leave church and don't return for years and years to come. Parents, make it enjoyable for your kids. And when your kids tell you, I don't want to go to church, be like, we're going to church. We're being in God's house because it's the right thing to do and we do what's right because it's the right thing to do. Don't take the mentality, I can't force my kid to come to church because it's going to damage them. No, it's not. You're telling them being around God and the things of God is going to damage them. Don't set that example for your kid. Get them in church. 
Bring them here. Help them learn the blessings and the benefits of following God's word and the enjoyment of fellowship with the other people that are chasing after God the same way you are. Now, if you have your Bible, I want to read to you an example given to us in the book of Deuteronomy. This is going to be a familiar passage to to those of you who have been in church for any length of time, but it's important. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what we call the Shema here in the Old Testament. It's a prayer that the Israelites prayed as they were leaving and coming, coming and going from their home something that they kept before them. But it says this in verse number four, Deuteronomy 6, 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. Children need to be taught the proper respect and response to God. And and Moses, inspired by God, is saying, Parents, it's on you. Disciple your kids. That's hard. How many of you in here would agree that parenting and discipling your kids is hard? It's hard. But I've learned some things in my my short life. My wife and I have four, four amazing blessings. Two boys, two girls. And we've learned something in 14 years of parenting. We learned that there's no manual to raising your kids. We also learned that the things that our parents did did not always work when it came to our own children. We also learned that our kids are living in a completely different culture than what we were raised in and what our parents were raised in and our grandparents before them. But we've also learned that the word of God has an answer for every single thing that our kids have to deal with. Every single thing. We've learned that. We've also learned that as parents, we have to teach by example. Everything that we say and do has to be an example for our kids. The the word of God should be on the heart of the teacher before it could even be communicated to the one following them. And so as as a dad... Standing before you this morning, you can't teach your things the words of the word of God and and have for them be impacted by it if it's not inside of you first. Unless you have experientially been with God and you know what he's calling you to do. This can't can't be the, the mom and the dad saying, do as I say, not as I do. Man, It causes so much pain inside of a child. It teaches them that it's okay to be hypocritical. Parent, you, you, you should teach by example. The word of God should be in the front of us in our conversations all the time. 
But we've also learned that we have to teach with enthusiasm. If I, if I were to talk to one of my kids about the things of God and I'm like, man, this is a drudgery talking about God, then that's the, I, that's the idea that our children have before us. But to teach God's word diligently in this life, meaning that I'm constantly running back to the word of God first and foremost. I'm taking time to seek him and, and pray before we make big decisions that affect our family. I'm bringing our children into those moments where I'm seeking the Lord and, and I'm reading the word of God with them, being diligent about it. And at the same time, we've also learned that we have to exhort our kids in the process. Listen, I love my kids. My wife and I adore each and every moment that we have with them. But there are times when we have to correct them. We have to correct them because we love them. And, and to exhort somebody is not just to encourage them. It is to spur them on to a deeper, more intimate relationship with the Lord. Then mom and dad, that's, that's your responsibility as, as you go about your daily business. And then lastly, we've learned that we have to teach our kids with endurance. How many of you know that you have to repeat yourself to your kids sometimes more than once? Teach with endurance. Persevere when, when, when it's hard, when the battle is long, when your kid is going against every single thing that you persevere, persevere. And don't become, do not become weary in well-doing. Don't. Because teaching your children the ways of God is not vain. It's not vain. Which leads us to our third point. Children need to see godly examples of their parents. They need to see godly examples. You know how this generation right here and right now in 2023 needs to see adults and mom and dad who are broken and surrendered before the Lord. We need it. Adults need to be showing that they have committed their lives to Christ Parents, you can teach your children something all day long, but training them means that you're demonstrating that taught truth in your very lives, meaning you're living the example. You're, you're doing what you say as you're telling them. Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. When we bring up our children, there is a balance that we have to have in this life. You go hard one way and you push them away. You go easy the other end and they have no respect for authority whatsoever. You provoke your children to anger and discouragement and you see inconsistency and hypocritical behavior in them. When we discourage our children, when we are negative, and when we compare them to other people's kids or, or even to their siblings, we cause detriment and harm in our children's lives. Which leads us to my last point this morning is children must be allowed time to grow. They must be allowed time to grow. If we go to the New Testament and the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, we see in Luke chapter 22 that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And so parent, I just want to encourage you as I begin to land the plane. 
I want to encourage you to remember that your kids are not perfect and they're going to be kids. They're going to be kids. I mean, obviously, you cannot become passive or permissive as a parent and just dismiss sinful behavior, but you cannot just indulge your child's every desire. You can't. There are far too many children today who, like the sons of Eli, basically run the home and the life of their parent. And God's goal in raising a child is to have a Christ-centered home, not a child-centered home. The point is simple, and the, the precept comes from Proverbs 22 when it says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you have ever heard that verse before, right? Train up a child. Train up a child in the way he should go was the crucial piece that Solomon wrote. It is the course or the path or the road that is suited for them. Every child will have an inclination to certain things that interest them. They will want to explore and try new things and and discovering who they are and, and what they want to do with the future. And they need time, mom and dad, to develop their own relationship with the Lord. Please, 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 mom and dad, do not try to live your life through your kid. Don't try to live your life through your kid. Allow Christ in you and in them to discover God's will for their life and then help them excel in that. Mom mom and dad in here this morning. Back in Psalm 127, we hear that children are, are like arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Children need to be prepared before they're sent out. Years will go by very quickly, and so make the most of of your time and teach them well. Do not get impatient. The days can seem to last forever, but the years go by very, very quickly. And so at this time, I'm going to ask two families this morning uh, to make their way right down here. You don't have to come up on the platform um, that would be the, the Woodhams family and the Burnas. Your, your girls can come too if they would like. If you guys want to just hang tight right on this side and the Burnas can be on that side. Mom and dad, your children need to be pointed They need to know the truth and be shown the truth. They need to be pointed towards Christ. Parents, your children need you. Children need to be propelled. At some point um, in their lives, you're going to have to release them. And all God's people said, and this is the hardest part of parenting, letting your children go from your bow. In just a moment, these parents will be dedicating their children to God. And in essence, they're saying, Lord, we give our child back to you. They're saying, Lord, we only have these children for a little while, but we ultimately know that they belong to you. And one day we are going to have to release them. 
And so, parents, I'm going to ask, you may not remember this exact phrase, but I'm going to ask that as this point moving forward, that you will pray, God, help our children to fly straight and help them to make an impact for your glory when they're no longer in our house. Perhaps, parents, not just the, the sets that are here up front, but perhaps the rest of you have had moments where you feel like there are things that you need to go back and rededicate to God because you did something wrong. Maybe there's some ground in your homes that you've given up and it needs to be reclaimed today. Perhaps you need to recommit and reestablish godly principles back into your own life and in turn into the lives of your children. We have two families here this morning that are dedicating um, their kids to the Lord. Here on my left, a family that's been attending church here since right about the same time that we came, right? Like roughly in that same time period. So over two years they have been here. This is Steve and Therese Berna and their four daughters. God help you. Um, their four daughters. Um, Rebecca plays up here on, on the platform, the violin, and, and helps downstairs. And, and then there's Riley, and, and this is Courtney over here. And then um, Olivia. Um, Olivia Carroll, correct? Olivia was just born right at the end of March, beginning of April. And new to the family, uh, we are grateful for the Bernas and, and for what they mean to our church, the ways that they're serving. Um, and so... If you would, church, welcome with us um, this lovely family. And here on my right, uh, no stranger to our church either. You guys have been here about the same amount of time as well. And so this is Curtis and Aaron Woodhams and their son, uh, CJ, or, or little Curtis, Curtis Emery, correct? And uh, they've been attending here as well and, and been plugged in. And they came to me a couple of weeks back and said, we'd like, we'd like to dedicate our, our child to the Lord as well. And, and so would you guys welcome uh, with us this family. And so moms and dads, I'm going to have you uh, face, uh, face me for just a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of questions from you. And after each uh, question, if you agree uh, that you will uphold that, uh, the, the charge that I am giving to you, I would like for you to please answer with, we do. Good? Okay. Good? All right, perfect. So mom and dad, so Steve, Therese, Aaron, and Curtis, do you willingly dedicate uh, your child to the Lord? Do you commit yourselves to do all that you can to raise your child in a godly home where Christ is the center, not the child? Church, if you would, for just a moment, please rise with me. I, I feel that this is necessary. Church, I'm now going to ask you um, something in return. And if you agree, please say, uh, we do at the end. Church, do you and, and I, do we agree that we will provide these families and children a place where they can grow and be encouraged? Do we agree that they will have a safe place where they are cared for and where God's word will be taught and modeled for them with our lives? At this, at this time, church, if you would, 
bow with me in prayer over these families. God, we come before you this morning and we thank you uh, for these two families and what they mean to our church and how they're involved and invested here in our mission. God, we thank you that they're standing before us as a body um, saying we want to raise uh, our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God, give them strength in the moments um, of hardship of raising uh, their kids. Give them encouragement from us as a church. Give them love and, and let us be a church that is compassionate towards them in their times of need. Let us be ones that encourage them and, and surround their children when they are here and in our care. Lord, let us all, including the families, be examples of godliness and righteousness to them as they are raised. And Lord, we just ask that as you do a work in the families' lives and in these kids' lives, that they would make a gospel uh, impact for your kingdom as they depart from their families, whether they remain here in the years to come or somewhere else, Lord. We know that they belong to you, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to make an impact in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Mom, Dad, thank you guys so much. Uh, if you would make your way back to your seats and at the very end, out at the connection point, there is a certificate for your children. Uh, um, just a, a way of, of saying and showing that you dedicated your child here today. And then uh, this next week, we have a gift uh, that will be here for each one of your, um, your children. So, thank you. Now on to the second half of our service this morning, uh, the part um, where I get to dunk people. In just a moment, I'm going to ask uh, these two young men to come to the stage who I had an opportunity to come in and speak to our youth ministry uh, about seven or eight weeks ago and talk to our teens about baptism. And there were a lot of teens that had questions about, you know, what is baptism? What, is, uh, what does it mean? And, and why should we even be baptized? And you know, there are passages all throughout the New Testament where we see baptism spoken of. Passages, especially in the book of Acts, that we're going to be covering as we're walking through this series. But baptism is a very special moment for those who are about to step publicly before a church body and, and willingly say, I'm unashamed to follow after Christ. I'm unashamed in front of these people, and in, in their case, even the people who are watching online and who will watch online, to say that I'm unashamed to follow Christ with everything in my life. To, to have a, a life that is significant with gospel meaning and gospel impact. You know, bapt baptism is, is not a denominational thing, but rather it's a Bible, it's a Bible thing. And, and this is not some religious exercise this morning or just something that we here at the well, the well do, but it's an incredibly important moment in the life of every believer. You know, it's interesting to me that in Christ's life and his public ministry, he started out with a baptism. And at the end of his life, before he ascended into heaven, he commanded baptism in the Great Commission. It was always interesting to me that there was a special moment for Christ where he was asking people to display an outward demonstration of an inward change that had occurred in this life. Church, I want us to be aware of just a few things before uh, we get into uh, the water. Baptism does not bring about salvation, but rather it gives evidence of it. 
It is a symbol of what has taken place already inside you and in your life. It is an identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We know that according to Scripture, a person is saved by God's grace alone, and baptism is the outward identification with that. In this public declaration of faith in Jesus Christ, these two individuals being baptized are going public, identifying themselves as followers. And in turn, church, they are becoming accountable not only to mom and dad, but to us as a church body, saying that we are willing to ensure that they remain on the path that God has for them. The word baptized literally means to be immersed. And in every case in scripture, people went into the water and they came up out of the water. A person is immersed into the water because they are buried in the likeness of Jesus Christ and they are raised to walk in newness of life according to Romans chapter 6. This is a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now we know from the book of Matthew chapter 28 that we are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These words are rich and they are comprehensive of the wonderful union that a believer has with the Godhead or the, the Trinity the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I want us to note something very important about baptism. Baptism is an open display of obedience in front of others. As seen in the life of example after example in Scripture, baptism displayed obedience. Jesus himself was baptized. And when you think about it and understand that John the Baptist's purpose for baptizing was to show the repentance of sin, we may think to ourselves, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Why? One word sums it up. Obedience. Obedience. Jesus was, obe was obedient to the will of the Father. And of course, Jesus' baptism was a prefigure of what was to come. And the reason that Jesus was baptized was to be an example for every one of his followers in the days that would come. Jesus was identifying with the people that he came to save and then being baptized demonstrated that obedience. Matthew chapter 3 tells us that when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water that the heavens opened up. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And a voice rang out from the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. And so today, baptism in its purest and simplest form shows our obedience to Christ. It points to the fact that we are walking in newness of life. And for many, it's a milestone. It's a turning point in their relationship with the Lord. And so, church, I want you uh, to be a part of this significant moment here this morning. Um, if I could get uh, the two of you guys to come here to the platform. Um, soundboard, I'm going to use this microphone down here, the yellow one, it looks like, because I need to take my headset off. Just a moment.
All right, can you hear me? Give me just a second. Yeah, I was going to say, Mom and Dad, if you want to come up. And so, um, it's a little chilly, so come on in. The first to be, um, to be baptized, it's like getting in your pool at home, right? The first to be baptized this morning is Isaac Decker, um, the oldest son of Travis and Tara. And I've gotten to know the Deckers over the last two plus years that we have been here, and they have been very special people to us and made an impact in our lives in so many different ways. I've gotten to know Isaac and his uh, friendship with our oldest Israel has been very special. And so to see uh, this young man come to the point where he has made a decision that has been talked about multiple times and he just was not ready and prepared for this. And, and to have this opportunity to be uh, a part of what God's doing in him, uh, his, really, he's going to hate me for saying these things because I didn't tell him I was going to say this. But Isaac really um, has stepped up in our youth ministry and I've just watched him grow over the last two years uh, into a young man who wants to do what is right um, he's not always perfect at that, um, as we all are, right? Amen. But Isaac has a desire uh, to do the things of the Lord and, and to be an example to the people around him. And so, um, you ready to get baptized? Sure. Do you want to say anything? Are you sure? <laughs> More than sure. I'm going to have you, if I hit your head on the back, I apologize. Thanks. Go ahead and put You've trusted Christ as your Savior? Yes. And you want to follow him? Yes. As your brother in Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism. Let us go off in the newness of life. Next up, we have the other Decker boy. Do you want to take your glasses off? I say that for a reason. I, I broke glasses of the other kid before, so I, I don't want to break Ivan's too. Um, so this is Ivan Decker, and I've also gotten to know him over uh, the last couple of years and especially the last several months in youth ministry and the same for him. There's a, an innate desire uh, for him to do what is right um, and to follow the Lord. And mom and dad, that's, that's a direct reflection of the two of you, of both of these boys. And so, um, I love you, kid. You're awesome. Um, do you want to say anything? You're good? Okay. So I'm going to have you come this way with me. Um, You've trusted Christ as your Savior? Yes. And you want to follow him? Yes. As your brother in Christ, I now baptize you. Step forward a little bit. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism. Grace to walk in the of life. And so at this time, I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. Boys, you guys can head down. Um, 
you can head downstairs and, um, and get dried off. And then I'm going to ask mom, dad, boys, families, uh, that dedicated children, after I pray, uh, would you guys just make yourself available? And church family, I'd like you to come um, and just welcome them, congratulate them on this, um, this moment in life for them. Um, and just uh, tell them that you're going to be there for them when they when they need it. And so uh, let's pray. Um, if you need prayer or anything like that, our prayer team will be available. Um, I will be uh, jetting from here uh, so that we don't get our carpet wet. I don't think uh, people would appreciate that. And so uh, if you need anything from me, uh, please contact the church office tomorrow morning. We open at 9 a.m., um, and then if you need something outside of that, you can let one of our, our leaders know and they can get with me in just a little bit. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today, this momentous occasion and the lives of these two individuals that were baptized and the families that dedicated their children to you, Lord. We thank you for this church body and, and having a space where we can even do dedications and baptisms. And Lord, we know that it's, it's your work and it's glorifying you because of the change that you have made and, and the salvation that you have brought. And so, Lord, we, uh, we know now uh, that we, we are seeing this public display that the enemy does not like this. We know that the enemy doesn't like when people say, I'm a follower of Christ. And so, Lord, give them strength. Give these parents strength. Uh, give them boldness to, and courage to seek after you and to do what is right and to not be like the double-minded man in Scripture that is unstable, but, Lord, that we, that we seek you first. As the psalm writer said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so, Lord, help us to hide your word in our hearts so that we uh, walk the path of, of righteousness and godliness. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this wonderful day that you have given to us. And we just thank you for your love and grace and mercy uh, that's given to us. And we just ask and pray these things now in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. We love you, church. Thank you for being here with us this morning. And you are sent.